Welcome to the Bible in 260 podcast, the podcast that brings you through the entire Bible in 260 days. Have you ever wanted to read the whole Bible but struggled to do so? This podcast is meant to help you do it. With five 15 to 20 minute episodes per week, you will hear the entire Bible read to you. There will also be occasional brief notes to help explain context, as well as a concluding question or thought to consider. So welcome to the Bible in 260 podcast, your journey through the Bible in 260 days. Welcome to episode 69. Today our theme is, Who Will You Listen To? And it's that theme because the book of Judges, which we're starting today, is really a book that asks the question, people of Israel, who are you going to listen to? Are you going to listen to God and follow him, or are you going to listen to yourselves? Psalm 16 basically lays out what both of those decisions lead to, and Luke chapter 20, when Jesus speaks to the people and to the Pharisees, is basically dealing with the same question, a question of authority, who you listen to. And so as we read through the book of Judges, part today, and in the, in the days to come, uh, I think it's an opportunity for all of us to ask that question of ourselves, who do I really listen to? Judges chapter 1. After Joshua died, the Israelites asked the Lord, who should lead the invasion against the Canaanites and launch the attack? The Lord said, the men of Judah should take the lead. Be sure of this, I am handing the land over to them. The men of Judah said to their relatives, the men of Simeon, invade our allotted land with us and help us attack the Canaanites. Then we will go with you into your allotted land. So the men of Simeon went with them. The men of Judah attacked and the Lord handed the Canaanites and Perizzites over to them. They killed 100,000 men at Bezek. They met Adonai Bezek at Bezek and fought him. They defeated the Canaanites and Perizzites. When Adonai Bezek ran away, they chased him and captured him, and they cut off his thumbs and big toes. Adonai Bezek said, Seventy kings with thumbs and big toes cut off used to lick up food scraps under my table. God has repaid me for what I did to them. They brought him to Jerusalem where he died. The men of Judah attacked Jerusalem and captured it. They put to the sword... Uh, put the sword to it, and set the city on fire. Later, the men of Judah went down to attack the Canaanites living in the hill country, the Negative, and the foothills. The men of Judah attacked the Canaanites living in Hebron. Hebron used to be called Kirith Arba. They killed Sheshai, Ahaman, and Talmai. From there, they attacked the people of Deber. Deber used to be called Kirith Sefer. Caleb said, To the man who attacks and captures Kirith Sefer, I give my daughter Achish as a wife. When Othniel, son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother, captured it, Caleb gave him his daughter Achash as his wife. One time Achash came and charmed her father so she could ask him for some land. When she got down from her donkey, Caleb said to her, What would you like? She answered, Please give me a special present. Since you have given me land in the Negev, now give me springs of water. So Caleb gave her both the upper and lower springs. Now the descendants of the Kenite, Moses' father-in-law, went up to the people of Judah from the city of date palm trees to Arad in the wilderness of Judah located in the Negev. They went and lived there with the people of Judah. The men of Judah went with their brothers, the men of Simeon, and defeated the Canaanites living in Zephath. They wiped out Zephath. So people now call the city Hormah. The men of Judah captured Geza, Ashkelon, Ekron, and the territories surrounding each of these cities. The Lord was with the men of Judah. They conquered the hill country, but they could not conquer the people living in the coastal plain because they had chariots with iron-rimmed wheels. Caleb received Hebron, just as Moses had promised. He drove out three Anakites. 
The men of Benjamin, however, did not conquer the Jebusites living in Jerusalem. The Jebusites lived with the people of Benjamin in Jerusalem to this very day. When the men of Joseph attacked Bethel, the Lord was with them. When the men of Joseph spied out Bethel, it used to be called Luz, the spies spotted a man leaving the city. They said to him, If you show us a secret entrance into the city, we will reward you. He showed them a secret entrance into the city, and they put the city to the sword. But they let the man and his extended family leave safely. He moved to the to Hittite country and built a city. He named it Luz, and it has kept that name to this very day. The men of Manasseh did not conquer Bashin, Tanakh, or their surrounding towns, nor did they conquer the people living in Dor, Ebliem, Megiddo, or their surrounding towns. The Canaanites managed to remain in those areas. Whenever Israel was strong militarily, they forced the Canaanites to do hard labor, but they never totally conquered them. The men of Ephraim did not conquer the Canaanites living in Gezer. The Canaanites lived among them in Gezer. The men of Zebulun did not conquer the people living in Kitron or Nahalal. The Canaanites lived among them and were forced to do hard labor. The men of Asher did not conquer the people living in Akko or Sidon, nor did they conquer Alab, Agzib, Helba, Afik, and Rehob. The people of Asher lived among the Canaanites residing in the land because they did not conquer them. The men of Naphtali did not conquer the people living in Beth Shemesh or Beth Anah. They lived among the Canaanites residing in the land. The Canaanites living in Beth Shemesh and Beth Anah were forced to do hard labor for them. The Amorites forced the people of Dan to live in the hill country. They did not allow them to live in the coastal plain. The Amorites managed to remain in Har Haraz, Aijalon, and Jalbim. Whenever the tribe of Joseph was strong militarily, the Amorites were forced to do hard labor. The border of Amorite territory ran from the Scorpion Ascent to Sela and on up. Now the angel of the Lord went up from Gilgal to Bochim. He said, I brought you up from Egypt and led you into the land I had solemnly promised to give you to your ancestors. I said, I will never break my covenant with you. But you must not make an agreement with the people who live in this land. You should tear down the altars that where they worship. But you have disobeyed me. Why would you do such a thing? At that time I also warned, If you disobey, I will not drive out the Canaanites before you. They will ensnare you, and their gods will lure you away. When the angel of the Lord finished speaking these words to all the Israelites, the people wept loudly. They named the place Bochim and offered sacrifices to the Lord there. When Joseph dismissed, or sorry, when Joshua dismissed the people, the Israelites went to their allotted portions of territory, intending to take possession of the land. The people worshipped the Lord throughout Joshua's lifetime as long as the elderly men who outlived him remained alive. These men had witnessed all the great things that the Lord had done for Israel. Joshua, son of Nun, the Lord's servant, died at the age of 110. The people buried him in his allotted land in Timnah, Herez, in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Cash. That entire generation passed away. A new generation grew up that had not personally experienced the Lord's presence or seen what he had done in Israel. The Israelites did evil before the Lord by worshipping the Baals. They abandoned the Lord God of their ancestors who brought them out of the land of Egypt. They followed other gods, the gods of the nations who lived around them. They worshipped them and made the Lord angry. They abandoned the Lord and worshipped Baal and Ashtaroth. The Lord was furious with Israel and handed them over to robbers who plundered them. He turned them over to their enemies who lived around them. They could no longer withstand their enemies' attacks. Whenever they went out to fight, the Lord did not did harm to them, just as he had warned and solemnly vowed he would do. They suffered greatly. The Lord raised up leaders who delivered them from these robbers, 
but they did not obey their leaders. Instead, they prostituted themselves to other gods and worshipped them. They quickly turned aside from the path their ancestors had walked. Their ancestors had obeyed the Lord's commands, but they did not. When the Lord raised up leaders for them, the Lord was with each leader and delivered the people from their enemies while the leader remained alive. The Lord felt sorry for them, and when they cried out in agony because of their harsh oppressors and what they did to them. When a leader died, the next generation would again act more wickedly than the previous one. They would follow after other gods, worshipping them and bowing down to them. They did not give up their practices or their stubborn ways. The Lord was furious with Israel. He said, This nation has violated the terms of the covenant I made with their ancestors by disobeying me. I will so, so I will no longer remove before them any of the nations that Joshua left unconquered when he died, in order to test Israel. I want to see whether or not the people will carefully walk in the path marked out by the Lord, as their ancestors were careful to do. This is why the Lord permitted these nations to remain and did not conquer them immediately. He did not hand them over to Joshua. These were the nations the Lord permitted to remain so he could use them to test Israel. He wanted to test all those who had not experienced the battle against the Canaanites. He left those nations simply because he wanted to teach the subsequent generation of Israelites who had not experienced the earlier battles how to conduct holy war. These were the five nation these were the nations, the five lords of the Philistines, all the Canaanites, the Sidonians, and the Hivites living in Mount Lebanon, from Be- Mount Baal Hermon to Lo Hamath. They were left to Israel to test Israel, so the Lord would know if his people would obey the commands he gave their ancestors through Moses. The Israelites lived among the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. They took the Canaanites' daughters as wives and gave their daughters to the Canaanites. They worshipped their gods as well. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. They forgot the Lord their God and worshipped the Baals and the Asherahs. The Lord was furious with Israel and turned them over to King Cushan Rishamathayim of Aram, Armnan Haramayim. They were Cushan Rishamathayim's subjects for eight years. When the Israelites cried out to, to the Lord for help, he raised up a deliverer from the Israelites who rescued them. His name was Othniel, son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother. The Lord's Spirit empowered him, and he led Israel. When he went down to do battle, the Lord handed over to him King Cushan Rishamathayim of Armad, and Othniel overpowered him. The land had rest for forty years, then Othniel, son of Kenaz, died. The Israelites again did evil in this Lord's sight. The Lord gave King Eglon of Moab control over Israel, because they had done evil in the Lord's sight. Eglon formed alliances with the Ammonites and Amalekites. He, be, he came and defeated Israel, and they seized the city of date palm trees. The Israelites were subject to King Eglon of Moab for 18 years. When the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help, he raised up a deliverer for them. His name was Ehud, son of Gerar, the Benjaminite, a left-handed man. The Israelites sent him to King Eglon of Moab with a tribute payment. Ehud made himself a sword. It had two edges and was about 18 inches long. He strapped it under his coat on his right thigh. He brought the tribute to present to King Eglon of Moab. Now Eglon was a very fat man. After Ehud brought the tribute payment, he dismissed the people who had carried it. But he went back once he reached the carved images at Gilgal. He said to Eglon, I have a secret message for you, O king. Eglon said, Be quiet. All his attendants left. When Ehud approached him, he was sitting in his well-ventilated upper room all by himself. Ehud said, I have a message from God for you. When Eglon rose up from his seat, Ehud reached with his left hand, pulled the sword from his right thigh, and drove it into Eglon's belly. 
The handle went in after the blade, and the fat closed around the blade, for Ehud did not pull the sword out of his belly. As Ehud went out into the vestibule, he closed the doors of the upper room behind him and locked them. When Ehud had left, Eglon's servants came and saw the locked doors of the upper room. They said he must be relieving himself in a well-ventilated inner room. They waited so long they were embarrassed, but they did not open the doors of the upper room. Finally, they took the key and opened the doors. Right before their eyes was their master, sprawled out dead on the floor. Now Ehud had escaped while they were delaying. When he passed the carved images, he escaped to Syrah. When he reached Syrah, he blew a trumpet in the Ephraimite hill country. The Israelites went down in front of him from the hill country when Ehud, with Ehud in the lead. He then said to them, Follow me, for the Lord is about to defeat your enemies, the Moabites. They followed him, captured the fords of the Jordan River opposite Moab, and did not let anyone cross. That day they killed about 10,000 Moabites, all strong, capable warriors. Not one escaped. Israel humiliated Moab that day, and the land had rest for 80 years. After Ehud came Shamgar, son of Anath. He killed 600 Philistines with an ox goad, so he also delivered Israel. Well, that's where we'll leave the story of Judges for today, and you'll notice the pattern emerging. The people disobey God. They reject him. God lets them be taken over by enemies. They realize it's not good. They cry out for a judge or someone to rescue them. God sends a rescuer. That person rescues them. And then as soon as that person dies, as soon as that time has passed, they revert back to their old ways. And that is the pattern of who do we listen to in our lives played out over and over again. And that brings us to Psalm 16, where it's a prayer of David, this psalm. And David basically, in one sense, is praying that God would protect him from straying, that God would protect David and others from listening to other gods and following them instead of listening to God himself, recognizing that when we listen to God, wonderful good things are a result. Psalm 16, a prayer of David. Protect me, O God, for I've taken shelter in you. I say to the Lord, you are the Lord, my only source of well-being. As for God's chosen people who are in the land and the leading officials I admired so much, their troubles multiply. They desire other gods. I will not pour out drink offerings of blood to their gods, nor will I make vows in the name of their gods. Lord, you give me stability and prosperity. You make my future secure. It is as if I had been given fertile fields or received a beautiful tract of land. I will praise the Lord who guides me. Yes, during the night, I reflect and learn. I constantly trust in the Lord because he is at my right hand and I will not be shaken. So my heart rejoices and I am happy. My life is safe. You will not abandon me to Sheol. You will not allow your faithful follower to see the pit. You lead me in the path of life. I experience absolute joy in your presence. You always give me sheer delight. What a wonderful psalm, of a wonderful prayer of David. And it's a reminder to us, too, that God is the one who answers that prayer when we turn to him. And we conclude today reading from Luke chapter 20, uh, which begins with Jesus being questioned in his authority by the religious leaders, and Jesus basically helping them understand, even though they didn't want to, that they need to listen to God. And by listening to God, that means they also need to listen to him. And we see the struggle in their lives, and if we're honest, we can see the struggle often in our own lives too. So Luke chapter 20. Now one day, 
As Jesus was teaching the people in the temple courts and proclaiming the gospel, the chief priests and the experts in the law with the elders came up and said to him, Tell us, by what authority are you doing these things? Or who is it that gave you this authority? He answered them, I will also ask you a question and you tell me. John's baptism, was it from heaven or from people? So they discussed it with one another, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say, Why did you not believe him? But if we say from people, all the people will stone us because they are convinced that John was a prophet. So they replied to Jesus that they did not know where it came from. Then Jesus said to them, Neither will I tell you by whose authority I do these things. Then they began to tell the people, then he, Jesus, began to tell the people this parable. A man planted a vineyard, leased it to tenant farmers, and went on a journey for a long time. When harvest time came, he sent a slave to the tenants so that they would give him his portion of the crop. However, the tenants beat his slave and sent him away empty-handed. So he sent another slave. They beat this one too, treated him outrageously, and sent him away empty-handed. So he sent still a third. They even wounded this one and threw him out. Then the owner of the vineyard said, What should I do? I will send my one dear son. Perhaps they will respect him. But when the tenants saw him, they said to one another, This is the heir. Let's kill him so the inheritance will be ours. So they threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. What then will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come and destroy those tenants and give the vineyard to others. When the people heard this, they said, May this never happen. But Jesus looked straight at them and said, Then what is the meaning of that which is written, The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? Everyone who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, and the one on whom it falls will be crushed. Then the experts in the law and the chief priests wanted to arrest him that very hour because they realized he had told this parable against them, but they were afraid of the people. Then they watched him carefully and sent spies who pretended to be sincere. They wanted to take advantage of what he might say so that they could deliver him up to the authority and jurisdiction of the governor. Thus they asked him, Teacher, we know that you speak and teach correctly and show no partiality, but teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. Is it right for us to pay tribute tax to Caesar or not? But Jesus perceived their deceit and said to them, Show me a denarius, whose image and inscription are on it. They said, Caesar's. So he said to them, Then give to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. Thus they were unable to, in the presence of the people to trap him with his own words, and, and stunned by his answer they fell silent. Now some Sadducees, who contend that there is no resurrection, came to Jesus. They asked him, Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies, leaving a wife but no children, that man must marry the widow and father children for his brother. Now there were seven brothers. The first one married a woman and died without children. The second, and then the third, married her. And in the same way, all seven died, leaving no children. Finally, the woman died too. In the resurrection, therefore, whose wife will the woman be? for all seven had married her. So Jesus said to them, The people of this age marry and are given in marriage, but those who are regarded as worthy to share in that age and in the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage. In fact, they can no longer die because they are equal to angels and are sons of God, since they are sons of the resurrection. But even Moses revealed that the dead are raised in the passage about the bush where he calls the Lord the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. Now he is not God of the dead, but God of the living, for all live before him.
Then some of the experts in the law answered, Teacher, you have spoken well, for they did not dare any longer to ask him anything. But Jesus said to them, How is it that they say that the Christ is David's son? For David himself says it in the book of Psalms, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. If David then calls him Lord, how can he also be his son? As all the people were listening, Jesus said to his disciples, Beware of the experts of the law. They like walking around in long robes, and they love elaborate greetings in the marketplaces and the best seats in the synagogues and places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' property, and as a show, make long prayers. They will receive a more severe punishment. There we have it, Jesus uh, giving us warnings here in this passage, especially to the religious leaders, uh, encouragements at the same time to listen to him, but also the reality that not listening to Jesus has dire eternal consequences. And so we end with the same question we began. Who will we listen to? Who will you listen to? Who will I listen to? Thanks for listening to the Bible in 260 podcast. May what you have heard speak to your heart and mind today. The scriptures quoted are from the Net Bible, http netbible.com, copyright 1996-2019, used with permission from Biblical Studies Press, LLC, all rights reserved. Our theme song for the podcast is The Call by Emily Ruth. You can find The Call and other music by Emily Ruth on Apple Music or Spotify or wherever you find your music. You were always there.